You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker CuzCast for all podcast updates and more. We are joined by Thomas Smith. You know him on Twitter as Carolina Husker. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you for having me. No problem. You ready to talk some Husker football? Yes, sir. The Kool-Aid is flowing. Oh, like it. It's always flowing with you. That's what everybody loves you on Twitter for. You are the eternal, eternal optimist on Twitter, especially with Huskers. I mean, it's, it's great. So Big Ten Media Days just wrapped up this weekend. Uh, a lot of good things happened in that. Uh, you know, it's kind of overtaken by some news out of the SEC and Texas, Oklahoma, but we'll get into that later. What are some of your big takeaways out of Scott Frost and the Huskers at Big Ten Media Days? Give, give us one, Thomas. Uh, the overall calmness of Scott Frost. The general tone of him wasn't too much hype and it wasn't too much desperate uh, feelings. Like he just was in a very calm demeanor. Like he was just ready to go. Like he's excited for a full season of Husker football to prove how well his team is right now. Yeah, he, there wasn't a lot of arrogance coming out of him. Uh, he, di- I don't think he got bashed, uh, by Husker nation as much as what he has in the past. Anytime he goes to a press conference, there's a lot of haters and I may have been on that side of hating in the past, but there wasn't a lot to even jump on him about out of this. You know, one of the things that came out of it that he did get attacked on, not by Husker fans, but was by Minnesota fans about the, uh, about the no sloganeering, you know, and all that stuff which was, it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, he, he follows two head coaches that like to, you know, with all their slogans and, you know, no sloganeering. Nobody, I don't think anybody in Husker Nation thought anything of it except Minnesota players. So that was, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, Derek, I didn't, what, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was like, I, I completely agree. I just don't think he meant that at all as a tack to Minnesota or Maryland. He just was like, let's just get it done. Tyler. So I hear you. You might be right. I think it's not easy to think that he didn't. But, like, I just want to go back in a world before 2019, before Minnesota had that good season, when it was, like, just accepted that P.J. Fleck was a tool bag. And, like, <laughs> all of a sudden, people are like, oh, he's a good coach. No, he's still a corny bastard. Like, he's still, like, <laughs> you listen to him talk, and I, I, I don't know. Frost probably didn't mean anything by it, but... Gosh, if I had to follow PJ Fleck and anything, I'd be just sitting there like he's just one of those guys. Like I'm not saying he's a bad dude. Like he just, he's just he he's rubs me the wrong way, and I wouldn't be shocked if he rubs Frost. And you hear him every time he talks, he has a new slogan, new phrase. I'm sure Frost is just like, screw that guy. Let's just go play some football. And this is why you get attacked on Twitter about being a Fleck hater, Tyler. Well, he he does read children's books to his football team. I mean, come on. <laughs> Tyler, what or Derek, what else did you think about that PJ Fleck in Minnesota? That that whole stuff. It was blown out of proportion. It, all, all Scott Frost did was answer the question that was asked of him. Like that's it. I don't know what else people expected him to say. Uh, I I don't know. I I just thought it was dumb that people were even reacting to it. But it's media days, and we gotta overreact to everything, right? Because that's, right. What, that's what we're supposed to do. We're fans. Yeah. Speaking of overreaction, what's another take of yours, Thomas, out of Big Ten Media Days? 
Uh, when uh, the players were talking, they uh, anything. The players didn't have. Uh, I saw Ben Steele's comment. He said that there was a lot of frustration throughout the season that they couldn't address within the team with each other. Like certain position groups couldn't talk to other position groups and hold each other accountable. So there was not a lot of face-to-face value with the team. So that coming towards game days or practices, I felt like there wasn't continuity between them. And you could see it in games. Yeah. You could see the lack of emotion and the frustration they had. Yeah, and I think that was common across the board. You know, that's a, that was a commonality amongst a lot of programs out there with COVID. And, you know, a lot of people, including Derek, he's he's a big proponent of just throwing out the 2020 season. Like, hey, that it just doesn't count. Uh, we, we had a guest, Braden Gall, uh, last week with Athlon Sports, and he was kind of the same way. You know, some conferences, they just didn't play as many games as other conferences, so you didn't really get a full feel so you could just really throw that whole season away. So it, that's interesting. Derek, you have any comments? Well, unless you're Arizona State, who apparently don't have to follow the rules. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> rules are meant to be broken. Uh, Tyler, what, what's one of your takeaways out of media days? You know, I think one of the the comments from Frost and listening to him talk about the offensive line and – you know, I think this is an easy one for Husker fans to just jump on board. Um, but but when he's talking about the strength in that with the fact this is the first time he started publishing some of the, the weight room results and the testing results, like we've been hearing about Duvall's strength program. We've been hearing about the progress. And I think it's easy to be skeptical about that about all this progress that we've been making. But the fact that Frost hits it, they're releasing scores. I, I just, I do have a little bit more optimism than I did a few weeks ago about this office of line heading into 2021. Like, I mean, between Cam, you know, you hear Cam Jurgens getting on the uh, Adrian Martinez part podcast. I mean, you hear these guys talk in the off season and I just, I think the optimism around this unit, you know, it, it, it's starting to peak a little bit and Frost is, you know, four times I think I counted. He mentioned the offensive line, particularly in the couple interviews he gave. Like yeah. it, it was, um, it was apparent that he went out of his way to mention them. And and just to add on to that, you know, Austin Allen when he was on BTN with uh, Dave Revson, you know, uh, he, he was asked, you know, on offense something like what groups are going to excel, and he, you know, he was really proud of the uh, offensive line. He says there's a lot of dudes on offense, a lot of dudes on uh offensive line and the other guy he gave credit to was uh uh Vokalek. but uh yeah i mean there is a lot of optimism with within that program with the offensive line and this is one of those years where that offensive line that that's probably the difference whether you win six games or eight games really at the end uh thomas what did you think about those comments on the offensive line it's a clear goal that Greg Austin and the identity of our offensive line is meant to get bigger and stronger height and weight and tenacity. And then their aggressiveness. And I see it. You have what Bryce Benhart, he's like six foot nine, 330 pounds. Now your left tackle is a top 40 player of the nation and Turner Cochran, who uh, is replacing one of the best left tackles ever in Nebraska history. Brennan Hymas, like our center cam Jurgens, apparently tonight on the sports night talk uh, weekly is got his snapping issues down and has been producing like the beefy jerkin that he is like, I'm excited. 
The only uh, thing I'm concerned about is right guard. It might be Shitterman. I don't know who's going to take that spot, but I'm so excited for our boys. Yeah, awesome. Well said. Thoughts, Derek? Well, I think you still have to be a little concerned. Like, Turner Corcoran's going to be a beast, but he's going to be a redshirt freshman. So let's understand he's probably going to make some mistakes and probably have some holding penalties that are going to be frustrating at times. You just hope it doesn't turn into like Bryce Benhart last year where it becomes a bigger issue than what it needed to be, I guess. Uh, but they're young. I, and so I, I, I think you still have to expect some mistakes. But I can see the enthusiasm and the optimism where the staff has, though. I mean, the uh, uh, oh, the, the future is so damn bright with that, with that, with that whole position group. Like, yeah, well, offensive line, but the the, the future is so bright. Yeah, they're, it's, I mean, it's just right now they're still very young, and I so I'm expecting a little bit of. Uh, I expect progress, obviously. I but, mean, when you look at the uh, our line last year, some of these guys' first meaningful snaps was Big Ten play, and the first game was against Ohio State. That's nerve-wracking, in my opinion. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I could, absolutely. I could imagine if my first snap as right tackle is against all these all-Big Ten, all-American first-round draft picks who have been produced in defensive linemen for years, and that's my first game. I couldn't imagine that. Couldn't. Well, and we talked about this at length on the podcast. I mean, like Nebraska's offense had got a lot of slack last year for, you know, not being productive. And, and and we've beaten this down. And it wasn't that we weren't productive. It's just that we didn't score the points. We moved the ball. We moved the ball well. And it was mostly through quarterback runs that were very, very telegraphed because we ran them 20 times a game. And, you know, when you, you know, we used to do that St. Cecilia back in the Blue Hawk days. We run the same three or four plays. <laughs> Yep. Like, and we just dare teams to beat us. And our offensive line did that to a large degree last year. And again, just because it's not how everyone wanted to see it doesn't mean it wasn't there. You know, I think we're still a year away from this offensive line being, you know, in that upper tier at the Big Ten. I still think you look at teams like Iowa and Minnesota and Ohio State, you know, and Wisconsin. You know, I think there's still a gap there. But I think as you look at the offensive line, I think it is going to be suitable enough to do what we need to do to have the outcome we need to this season. Very true. Uh, Derek, what were some of your takeaways? Give us, give us one. Uh, I'm going to go into the thought that this, uh, he talked about uh, Thomas Fedoni and uh, Marquez step. And he said, you know, he said Marquez steps should be close to hundred percent, but he was going to be on a pitch count. Uh, Fedoni said could possibly play or could presumably play later in the season which I found a little odd out of Scott Frost because he doesn't normally like to talk about injuries. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is like a change in plan here that he's going to maybe start talking about him a little bit more or if this was just kind of a one-time thing. But it, it would really be nice to at least hear a little bit of what's going on sometimes. Yeah, that injuries thing, that, that kind of gets frustrating there throughout the season, especially if you're a betting man like we are. <laughs> you got to need those injury reports. Thomas, what did you think about this, the, the injury? Um, Thomas Fedoni going down, that, that was heartbreaking. But watching all his posts on Instagram and Twitter, him not wearing braces, I think he's going to be back in the season, so I'm very optimistic for him. Uh, Marquis Stepp. We were all excited for him, but none of us knew that he had a nagging injury. So we found that out. We all thought that was concerning because we thought he was going to, well, we know he's going to be RB1, but we do have a very young running back core who can prove themselves. So I'm not really worried on that front. 
Um, my main injury concern goes out to Will Honus because it's heartbreaking to come back for a season and he can't play this year. That was their best linebacker. So I was very heartbroken for him. Right. Um, but most of the fact, I just think that he talked about those two because you had the number one tight end in the nation. And then you had a very, very talented running back coming in who was injured. So I think he just spoke on them to have everybody at ease. Thomas, I want to ask you about the running back uh, race headed into fall camp. Who do you expect to finish on top? Um, if we're not counting step, if I had to pick the actual starter besides him, I'd say probably either, either Savion Morrison or uh, I'll give Ramir Johnson just because he's just like a sleeper to me. He's really? the most experienced back, and he's the only one who has two touchdowns. He's the only one on our team that has reps with touchdowns, if you didn't know for, that. For some reason, I was thinking you were going to say Gay Bourbon. I, I don't know why. I just I felt that you are going to say Gay Bourbon, and I would Everybody, not have uh, disagreed with Gabe, you there. Gay Bourbon, everybody's on the train. I am too. I'm just tired of seeing freshmen coming in and being expected to be top-notch. I want, I want us to have depth. I want people who have been here to prove themselves, who've been here since 2018. I need them in. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I want people coming in expecting just to start right away. I want people who have been here who need to prove themselves. That's why they were recruited, and we need them to start producing. Amen to that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, one of the things that Scott Frosty alluded to uh, during his pressers, and it was something that really kind of made me scratch my head. And it was something along the lines of where he had to do a little bit of extra work in the athletic department that wasn't necessarily had anything to do with uh, coaching football. And, you know, you, you couple that with the fact that, you know, Bill Moose is gone now, forced out of, you know, a job, you know, call it a retirement or whatever you want to call it. And then Scott Frost was doing these things. And it's what did you make out of that, Thomas? I mean, what do you think that he had to do or what was he alluding to? He really didn't give specifics on what he had to do, but that's just a big distraction and that's alarming. If your football coach isn't actually focused on football 100%, you're taken away from the overall picture of your athletic program. So if he's doing something over here, it's taken away from watching film or recruiting or talking to players one-on-one or, or watching film or something like that. So he seemed distracted, and you could tell it when he said it that he's actually relieved now that he's not going to have to do any of that with Trev Alberts. Big respect to Bill Moose. I have such respect for him. But now it just seems like the coaches can focus on their programs, and that's all they need to focus on. One of the things that was interesting, though, is like Scott Frost and Matt Davison, they seemed like to be attached to the hip. And it's like, why wasn't Matt Davison doing all these things that – you know, Scott Frost had to do. I, 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 that was the whole thing that in my head is like, why wasn't Matt Davison doing those things? And why was Scott Frost? So, but we don't know what he was being asked to do. So that was, he didn't tell us anything that he had to do. That's crazy. Yeah. Derek. Well, and, and nobody's probably ever going to know what he was doing, but Trev Alberts and in his interview, a uh, little side interview he had there in big 10 media days alluded to the same thing that uh, and it, well, he said, Scott Frost, but he said a lot of the other coaches were, spread thin doing things that the coaches shouldn't have been doing. And, yeah. and that was one of the things he says, now that I'm here, I'm going to make sure that I have myself and my people in place to take care of these things so that the coaches can worry about coaching and recruiting. So, I mean, yeah, it, there must be something to it. If Trev Alberts is alluding to it too, I would assume. Oh yeah. It sounded like, it sounded like Scott Frost was being a paper boy. Like 
like in his coaching staff, like if you're running around running errands for the athletic department, that's not football related. It's taking away from the program. <laughs> I don't think Alabama or Clemson or Ohio state or Oregon or USC is all having that done. He's, They're all focusing on football. He's picking up Bill Moose, uh, his dry cleaning that was stained by bourbon or something. <laughs> he's, ha- he's hazing them. <laughs> go, go get my stuff pledge. <laughs> Thomas, is there any other uh, things out of big 10 media days you want to talk about there? Uh, I liked uh, that. Uh, who was it? Was it uh, this, not this muke? It was uh, who was the third player? It was Deontay dude, Williams. Right? I mean Deontay Williams. Sorry, I said this mute. Uh, Deontay Williams. I like that he said the reason why he came to Nebraska was for the fans. Oh yeah, yeah. He didn't hesitate to say that. No matter like what we see on Twitter or Facebook, people getting angry. This man said he came for the fans, and that's so riveting to me. Like it's just our staple, and I love it. Yeah, Deontay like, Williams. I, he kind of had like a Tanner uh, Tanner Farmer moment uh, talking to Dave Revson and he was talking about, you know, how would he define success next year? And he said, you know, change the narrative about Nebraska. And uh, Dave Revson is like, what do you want that narrative to be? And he's like, back at the top. And I just I just had to chuckle, you know, Tanner Farmer a couple of years ago, he's talking about winning the national championship. And uh, I, I just I just kind of found that a, a little bit amusing. But but Justin, I you you go to that. But a players at this point shouldn't be thinking, well, give give me an eight win season, I'll be. No, happy. I mean, like you you should you should be confident that you're gonna win games. And I, and I for one love that. Like if if there's a player on this roster that's sitting there saying, yeah, my, my goal is to get Nebraska back to being bowl eligible. Those are the guys I don't need on this team. No, I mean it's like winning the division. You know, I, I don't know. Winning the division, I think that's a, I think that defines success. Well, I, I, we do in that locker room. I don't want them just to think I want to mathematically be that. I think that, yeah, but, you know, there, I think there's two ways to answer that question. There, there's, there's the way that he did that we're going to win, or two, you deflect. Well, we're not focused on the outcome of the season. We're just going to take it game by game, and that's what we're focused on. Just Illinois. That's the only team we're focused on right now. It's Illinois. Like those, those are the two ways you answer that question. I don't know. I think there's in between. I mean, you're not talking about what are your goals. You can say what are your goals, but how do you define success? It's like make or break or nothing, you know? Is it is it winning the division kind of being on top? Yes. I, I, I guess. I mean, I, I kind of take back uh, back at the top, meaning, you know, national championship level. I mean, well, I you have know. to win your division first to get there. You If you sure. can't beat Illinois, Purdue, or Northwestern in your division – you're not getting national championship. You have to beat all three of them. Then you got to beat the team you haven't beaten seven years, which is Wisconsin. Then you got Iowa with six straight on us and Minnesota now two straight on us. Yeah. You got you got to sweep your division, and we can't even sweep the bottom three. <laughs> this year we'll get it. We'll get it. We this better, year. damn. I'm going to <laughs> Illinois this year. I'm being in Champagne acting rowdy. Like I better see us win. If not, ooh, that Uber trip's gonna be fun. <laughs> Well, I will see you there. I will also be at Champagne this year. Oh, yeah. so. oh, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah, I did know that that you're going. Okay, there. definitely would like to hit you up, get a beer or two. Hey, I think there's going to be a lot of Huskers there in Champagne. Oh. There's going to be a oh, lot. Yeah. First game back, we're going. Everybody's going to come out. That'll be. I'm good. flying from South Carolina to go. Like I'm going by myself. I'm pumped. I've already asked off for my work. I got the hotel. I got everything. I'm ready to go. Oh. One man, one man wolf pack, man. <laughs> I did it last year for the spring game, and then I just yeah, randomly I walked around Lincoln and had a ball. I saw all the picks, man. That was that was awesome. That was a I, trip. 
Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about with Big Ten Media Days? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk about Trev Alberts. Oh, go uh, ahead. You know, he, he also made a couple comments that I thought were very telling. And the fact of uh, I'm going to hold Scott Frost accountable and he's going to hold me accountable was one of his comments I thought was pretty good. But the one I really loved was uh, we're not going to win by talking about what we did 30 years ago. Right. No one cares about that. You know, that he he says we're not gonna get back to championship level by by living in the past. And yeah. I think that's a, I think it's a refreshing take. Like it's, I, I love Husker Nation. I love our history, but it's time to move on. If we're if we're ever gonna start winning again, it's it's got to be moving on. You know, he he he's, he said that, and then you know a couple, you know, few sentences later, he's talking about when he played for Tom Osborne. <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah, they all do that. Well, I, oh, yeah, okay. but he was also asked about Tom Osborne. Yeah, he was. Because of how he answered that question. Yeah, yeah. Tyler, anything else? No, I mean, again, I mean, I listened to a lot of the other coaches talk. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I think outside of Nebraska, I think there's some coaches. Uh, Harbaugh had, I, I think, a pretty interesting interview. Um, you know, he talked about his new defensive coordinator, and you know, I not a bad answer, but he just talked about, you know, he he was on the he's on the Ravens staff, and my brother loved him, and. You know, it got me to like him. And I'm like, it just, it wasn't like, he wasn't talking about his credentials. He wasn't talking about like, I just, I found it to be in like, well, my brother said he's a good coach. So, uh, I might as well take him on and, uh, give it a shot. And he I, deferred, I just, he deferred to the search committee and his brother was the search committee. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but, like, but, but my brother loves Michigan football. My brother loves me. My brother loves this guy. Of course he's the guy, right guy. I'm like, yeah, because he said my brother loves me. I'm like, what the heck? Can the guy coach? Like, I don't know. I, I, and and a lot of that goes, I think, to where we're heading next with coaches on the hot seat. Well, and, let's talk. Yeah, let's and, talk and, about coaches on the hot seat. Oh, go ahead. Know, I'm sorry. We, we, you know, we we talk about this usually right around after Big Ten media days. Like, who's the who? What coaches are the last time we're gonna hear him talk at Big Ten media days? And I think a lot of the coaches are going to be around. Like, I, I really don't see a lot of coaches seats very warm in the Big Ten. But I think Harbaugh's, man, I think that his seat is pretty damn warm. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to point to that contract extension thinking he's got extra life. Man, if you look at the details of that contract, they lowered the 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 buyout. I, I think that they that was a blanket sign to the recruits that, Hey, we're going to keep him around, but with no real skin in the game. So I, I think, I think this might've been Jim Harbaugh's last time talking in front of the big 10 crowd. Thomas, do you agree? I agree. If he loses the Washington immediate hot done. done right there, it goes from nothing to hot. You can't lose. What if he beats Ohio state? But then they keep him. Maybe the first time he ever beat him. Yeah. Last time, last time they beat Ohio State was the first time we ever played them. Yeah. And won that game. That was the last time. He's lost every time since. Do you see any coaches on any other coaches out of the Big Ten on the hot seat this year? Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and why yeah. is that? He's just consistently losing. He can't he can't produce. He's always going through defensive coordinators like Bob Diaco's already gone right. Like yeah, he had yeah. for one year. So I mean yeah, he can't yeah, keep he consistent hired, staff. He hired three guys. To replace Bob Diaco. Yeah, that's how good Bob Diaco is. I mean, he had he had to hire three guys to replace him. 
I like Bob Bianca when he's at Notre Dame. I liked him when he was there. I think everybody liked him when he was there. And when we got him, we thought we were getting a steal. <laughs> the strain. The strain. But, uh, I think Jeff Brom is on the hot seat. Um, and if I had to pick another one, um, there, I don't think there's another one. I mean, oh, Loxley just improved. Shiano is just, you know, he's a recruiting beast. You see what he's doing right now. Yeah. Uh, Bellama just got to Illinois, so he's got chances. Uh, Mel Tucker, second year. COVID year doesn't count. Franklin had a down year, but he's just a beast in himself. Uh, it, yeah, just I just think it's him. I think it's just Brom. I, I disagree uh, with one of them. I, th- I think Loxley's probably on a hot seat a little bit. You think so? And he's recruited really, really well. He's got a lot of good talent there, but Dude, five stars in two wins. years. It's it's not showing up in the W column. I agree, but Maryland got to give him a chance now because Loxley has that was what that was the first time they beat uh, Penn State and how many times out of like fifty five tries they've only beat him third. Yeah, every, he was everybody the third was win Penn State at that point. <laughs> yeah, first five games, man, it is including us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. I'll take it. Um, but they were always, they went six they won six straight after that though. Um, they five finished straight, strong. Yeah. Oh, five straight. I'm sorry, they were strong. Yeah, but yeah, they finished up on a good note. Uh, Derek, do you want to talk about Jeff Brom? I know you're not a Jeff Brom believer either. I I agree he's on the hot seat. I I have had I kind of argued this with uh, Adam McClintock a couple weeks ago when we had him on because I, I believe Adam McClintock has him as the best coach in the Big Ten, and uh, I, could, I couldn't disagree more. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's living up to the hype. Like everybody was loving what he did that first two years. And he hasn't really been able to do it since. Like, he signed that contract extension to keep him from going to Louisville and kind of dropped off the charts from there. Like, his offense is good, but he still has no defense whatsoever. And I don't know that firing defensive coordinators left and right is going to help you fix that. It's not. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if you want to throw out years – you know, 2020 doesn't count. I mean, 2019, he went four and eight. The previous, you know, 2017, 2018, it was bull, uh, bull years for Purdue. They were. And that's when he signed his contract extension. Yeah. Well, see, and I, I'm with, I, so I, I don't I really. I, I don't see him having a good year this year. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I we'll, we'll get into that. I think they're going to be good enough I, I think the thing is is he has brought man i remember purdue before jeff Brom. like i'm old enough to remember that purdue team and i mean there was not a worse program in the big 10 before he took it over and yeah. and i just think that this is a situation if if you're a purdue and and you're five six wins in if, if that's what you're getting at and i think that's you know i think four to six wins is probably where purdue finishes this year I, I don't think they're going to be a bottom dweller. I, you know, I think, you know, they got a tough non-conference game with, uh, you know, three power, I guess, Connecticut's not power five, but they, they have Oregon state, Connecticut and Notre Dame in the, uh, off season, which is not a really easy non-con slate. Um, all things considered. I, I think that you get to four to five wins with that. I, man, I just think Purdue, if, if you go off Jeff from, there's a good shot. You're going back to the seller. And I, I just don't know why they would move off of him so quickly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you got to give him one more year. Uh, 
Let's move to conference realignment because the biggest news out of Big Ten media days wasn't anything that had to do with Big Ten. It was all about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the uh, Big 12 for the SEC. Well, today they made it official. They are leaving the Big 12. Uh, I thought it was funny. Before we started recording, I saw that the SEC, that uh, they have a meeting this week, later this week, to discuss it. And they need uh, like 11 of 14 uh, schools to approve <laughs> the uh, Texas and Oklahoma to join. So are they caught in limbo? Do they know they have the votes? Nothing would be more hilarious to me than to see Texas get skunked and just get like being no well, man's land. I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's really funny. And the timing of this is pretty funny too, is uh, originally when I seen that tweet, I heard there was two no votes already. And it was out of Missouri and Texas A&M, which we all expected out of Texas A&M. Yeah. But we didn't expect that. I don't know if everybody quite expected out of Missouri. And now today their athletic director stepped down. What a weird situation. So maybe uh, he was forced to sit down because the, the Missouri officials were like, what are you doing now? I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas, you know, they, they, they have no love history with Texas. I mean, are, are they waffling too right now? I, I, I mean, very well I could know. be when the I mean, Southwest the, Texas, conference, when yeah. the Southwest conference broke up, they didn't get invited to the big 12 because of Texas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting. You would think these two teams, I mean, you don't think it makes it this far. Like it, if it, the votes aren't going to go in Texas's favor in Oklahoma's, but guys, I, I, we've, we've obviously talked about this. I think every sports fan has talked about this. I hate this. I hate this so much. Um, I, I, I don't love this, but here comes the, here comes the big question is does the big 10 need to expand? Well, let's get there because Sir Yacht had some breaking news just before this podcast. He's back. He's back on Twitter. He's back. He had some big news about uh, at 2024. He is reporting that Ohio State is leaving the Big Ten, looking at the ACC and the SEC. So more to come on that. But uh, I he yeah, needs to I delete mean, his account. Uh, he, you know, there's another <laughs> Twitter Sir deleted it for him. <laughs> but but it, I, it I, did. I, yeah, it did. Yeah. I, I do. I hate I hate this move for just t- same with Texas and Oklahoma. I, is there it? I mean, does anyone like this move for college football? Them going the SEC? I don't know. I don't care. I don't care about the Big 12. I don't care what they do. No, I get it. it. I, it's, they it's just destroyed it, their whole conference. It's it's the rest of college football I'm concerned about. Well, now it's just a money grab. Now we're looking at mega conferences now since they're moving there. And the playoff is going to have up to 12. Everybody's just going to have 16 to 20 people in their conferences now. I know. Well, I don't, and I don't love that. But, but now they're talking about that the 12 the team playoff may not even mean anything because they don't know what direction all these conferences are going to go. What is yep. the landscape of college football going to be in two years, four years, five years, what, whatever? Uh, Did what you is see the, the thing? Did you see the thing where they were going to have pods and then when whoever's the winner of those pods are in conference semifinal games? Hey, I love that idea. Games? I think when, that's so cool. Yeah. When, when I saw that proposal out of the SEC on how a 16-team uh, conference would look, I was like, that is badass. I, I, I would really like that. I would really like that. Plus, it gives you a chance to play every school in your conference a hell of a lot more often than what we do now. I mean, it would be I, our pod. 
if we well, want to add two more, who would be in our pod? What depends. What two teams would you want to see added, Thomas? Uh, Kansas for basketball reasons and for the Big 12 tie. And if I had to add another one, I'd just add Iowa State just so they can keep their Cyhawk relationship going and then just add another Big 12 one like that. Or Colorado. Give me Colorado or Iowa State interchangeable. But those are who I'd like to see join back with us. Okay. Colorado so- State or Colorado is my number one. And they're already in AAU school, so they wouldn't even have to do anything much to get in. Qualifiers right there. Yep. Well, the, and I would love that. I would love to start playing them every year. So again. if our pod was that, I'd say Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa. That'd be a pod right there. That'd be nice. That'd be a that'd badass be a pod. pod. But I, I, I don't want to see Kansas in the Big Ten. I really don't. I, I don't like. I don't like anything about Kansas. I don't even like their basketball. Program. You don't want to see a Kansas Rutgers Big Ten championship game? Oh my God, that that'd be so <laughs> awful. That would be terrible. Their their football program's so bad, and I like their new head coach. I really do. I I mean, but he's not. They're not going to get it done. And hey, Big if fat ass Mangino can get it done, Lance Leopold can get it done. Bring back Mangino. Then I say, yep, they're back. That was a hell of a year for them. Yeah, he was a hell of a coach. But yeah, I mean, those pods, I would agree with uh, what you proposed there. I mean, th- I think that would be a really fun pod. And I tell you what, that would add even more to this uh, perceived Nebraska-Iowa rivalry. You know, I mean, how how important would that game be right there then? Every single year to get on top of the, on top of the pod. That sounds weird. <laughs> I think we'll eventually, we'll, we'll see all that in the mega conferences. Everybody will have pods. You know what I don't want to see? And I, I, I see this getting a lot of traction. I don't want to see any of these West Coast Pac-12 teams that are uh, on Pacific time zone. I don't want to see any of those guys added to our slate. Even though, you know, would it be cool to get USC and Oregon or whatever name that they're throwing out there? It would be cool, but that time zone would just suck for the sports fan. I, I, I really yeah, you'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to have the middle afternoon games. I mean, you'd, you'd have to play them all. Though. I want when you go to the West Coast, or even when they come here, I guess. I mean, I guess yeah. if they come, if they come here, you could do a a prime time game, and then it would be a decent time for them. But, but yeah, I don't want to see. You remember when we played Fresno State and the game didn't start till like nine thirty at night? Yeah, yeah. Oh God, that was miserable. The game didn't get over till like two in the morning. And I'm getting older, man. It, it, it's harder for me to stay up that late. <laughs> so would that be like an eleven o'clock, eleven p.m., twelve p.m. time for my time zone? No, it would have been 1030, though. Yeah. No, nah, I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah. And you're a young one, dude. <laughs> I'm I'm 28. I'm getting old. I have one beer and I'm like asleep. Like, <laughs> well, you wouldn't fit to... in with the cousins then. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't mind playing Pac-12 teams. I mean, we have a decent record against them. So, I mean, it's not like it's not unusual, but the travel would be ridiculous. Do we have a good record re- in recent years, though? I think of I mean, Pac-12. I think of like the ass kickings by USC and UCLA. Washington, I mean, USC we lost by one touchdown, did we not? We lost by one score. So UCLA, we played the Foster's Bowl. We beat them with a losing record. We went back to back with Oregon, so uh, we went one and one. Yeah. Washington, we did what two and one. Um, UCLA, when it was home and home, we yeah we went zero and two, but it wasn't blowouts. And then Colorado's 0-2, and they weren't blowouts. They were one-loss scores, too. First-year coaches. <laughs> I don't know. 
I, I, when you I watch those games, turnovers killed us and injuries. So I mean, well, like, that's, we been our, that's been our story for years, though, right? And I'm and I'm gonna die by it, crutching all that right now. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have this. So ultimately, what do you want to see in conference realignment, Thomas? Do you want to see like uh, like four major conferences, two major conferences, and or what is it? I say do four. Just dissolve the Big Twelve. Just have these four conferences. Uh, ACC, SEC, Big Ten, and, and uh, Pac-12, so you can have, you know, those top four seeds, because that's how it's going to be the whole time. So it just eliminates the, that fifth question of, uh, oh, does the Pac-12 get in or does the Big 12 get in, et cetera. So you can just eliminate all that, and then divvy up the rest of the Big 12 schools to the Mountain West, the American, or to the Pac-12. That's how I'd see it. Derek, how do you how do you want to see it? I, yeah, I would say stick with four. I I don't know. I, I I'm not. I'm just not in love with the super conference. I'm I'm just not. And it's funny because when we talked about this when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, uh, I, I know we had this conversation many times, and because because we thought all thought the Big Twelve was going to dissolve ten years ago, and I, back then I thought it was kind of a good idea. And maybe it's just me getting old, and not liking change. I guess. But I, I just I, I don't want to see it happen. I, I don't want to see the Big 12 go away, preferably. It's going to now, but I don't want to see it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because where are Nebraska fans going to complain that we got to run to when the Big 10 screws us over again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, but yeah, I guess, I guess if I have to choose, I would say keep it at four conferences at least. And, and that's what we've been talking about for years, Derek. I mean, we've been talking about you know, four 16 team uh, conferences and then just go from there. So that's, that's, does this force Notre Dame to join a conference? Yes. They I, I, I've been thinking they've been trying to force Notre Dame into a conference for 20 years now and it hasn't worked yet. Yeah. This would probably have to force their hand, put them back in the ACC and make them stay there. I'd, I'd, Shit, I'd I'd like to see them in the Big Ten. If if there was going to be a team that would be a big draw, it's going to be Notre Dame. It would be. I just don't think they can get out of that ACC contract. Probably not. I mean, I and they're and they're they're tied with that. I think I've seen to like twenty thirty five. But Notre Dame is a bigger draw than any of the names that we've come up with right now. For sure. And that's what. I'm sorry, you go. No, I was just saying, and that's what would really who I'd want to see is, I mean, it's, it's just Notre Dame. That's, that's the only team that's out there that's available right now. Cause the remaining schools out of the big 12, I mean, I'd like to see Baylor for selfish reasons. Cause I live in Waco, but there's no team remaining team in the big 12 that it, it, that really means anything when in the grand scheme of things, one school, and, and even in the pac 12, I don't think there's any school that is uh, a big draw like Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the biggest draw out there that is not affiliated with the conference. Tyler, you got some thoughts. Let's hear them. Well, I think to your first question, you know, I'm kind of with Derek. I, I really, the, the path that we're on, I really don't love. Um, but if we're going to go there, I, I'd like to see it stop before. I think when you go to the Big Ten, what the Big Ten ne- next needs to do, maybe it is Iowa State, Kansas. I don't think those are bad moves. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, there's certainly worse ones to be played. I just, I don't know what the big 10 really gains by that. If, if you're the big 10, I get what you guys are saying on the West coast, 
but you you should be calling these West Coast teams like USC. That that's a that's a move. That would that's a power move. Oregon is a power move. Like well, Iowa State is it? Market would be huge. I mean, yeah, I mean Oregon, like with all that money with Nike and all the West Coast connections, Washington. I mean, like there's a lot of schools in the Pac-12 that. I, I all everything you said, I agree with the, the 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 Pacific would be a really big challenge. Colorado would be fun for Nebraska fans, but I don't know, you know, how big that is. I just I I just hope if Kevin if the Big Ten is looking to expand, like I just think you you've got to be calling everyone, calling Clemson, calling FSU, calling Miami, calling nor you've got to be calling everyone just to see what appetites are out there. But this, you know, we we bashed Kevin Warren in the past, and man, you know, th- this is a do or die because the rumors are out there. I've heard Penn State to ACC, I've heard Michigan, Ohio State to the SEC. I've heard, you know, there's rumors out there, and my biggest fear as a Husker fan is what rumor I am not hearing is Nebraska going anywhere, and like I'm just, I don't want to see it go to a one mega conference, and Nebraska gets left nowhere to go and and that's my fear and that, as a fan of nebraska like i however it shakes out it's fine i just i need the big 10 i want the big 10 to survive this and the sec i just really don't want to see them poach ohio state my god i mean i don't i don't love the leadership to try and stop it yeah, i know the leadership that we have right now in place in the big 10 i have i don't trust them to make the right decision but right. We, we we all heard this stuff last year with you know, uh, Gene Smith out of Ohio State and how, the you know, obviously Nebraska took a lot of the the arrows about disagreeing with Big Ten leadership, but Ohio State was right there with us. And man, if the SEC is calling right now, like, I, I don't think it's a move that it sounds, someone was saying like that move probably, Ohio State's conference, it was, sure, said 2024. So take that with a grain of salt. But Feinbaum talked about it, it would be really hard for the SEC to implement bring in three to four teams just to, from a revenue perspective to try to find a way to split all that up year one because their contracts, all that stuff would be a challenge for them. You know, schools can make less if they, if they bring in too many at once, but I just right now, like I'm like in big 10 survival mode and like I would deal with having to deal with some crappy time slots for us. If we can go bring in a uh, USC Clemson would be my Notre Dame's first choice. Clemson probably be my second choice. Like I, I live here in South Carolina, man. I haven't heard nobody here talk about Clemson moving. Actually, there was actually a lot of people here who didn't even know that conference realignment was a thing. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, Honestly, it, I, I went to my work and my bosses and everything. I went. I was like, yo, y'all hear about Oklahoma and Texas going to SEC? It's been like three days since it happened. They were like, no. So they don't even know they're going. They don't even know their team's going. It's wow. basketball there. Everything's basketball down there. Oh, they're pretty passionate down here. It's just the fact that Clemson, I think, is pretty the flagship of the ACC. Like, they would not leave the comfort of winning and getting automatic playoff bids to go face yeah, Alabama, I don't know why LSU, they would Auburn. Leave. Yeah. They would not leave, especially with the, if they did that, Auburn and Alabama would be in their comp, like their division. So I don't think they would leave. Yeah. And Florida State can't even compete within the ACC right now, so them going to the SEC wouldn't make sense either. And Ohio State leaving the Big Ten, especially being top dog over everything. I don't think they would leave either just to go and be fourth or fifth in the, uh, you know, in the first year, just the pecking order of, you know, power. They wouldn't leave just to have their automatic big Teddy way either. Well, at the, it, end, it, at it, the it, end of the day, money drives it. everything. True. Let's true. Let's I agree. 
let's also face it, the Big Ten has also proven that they will bend over backwards for Ohio State. We'll change the rules for you. Yeah, Indiana got snubbed. Even though I don't like Indiana, they got snubbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we fully agree on that one. Yeah, we, we, we talked about that at length. Yeah, they got screwed. But nobody knows what this super conference that the SEC is really building, what the end game is going to look like. I mean, do they even have their own playoff at the end of the day when all the dust settles? Nobody even knows. Maybe maybe this super conference is just completely different and not underneath the NCAA umbrella. And it's, I don't know, we will see. Uh, there's going to be a lot more on that. Uh, I want to get into recruiting real quick. Uh, Thomas, uh, what are your thoughts on the 22 class so far? The 22 class, I think it's the best that uh, we could do at the current moment. Uh, it's just based on the lack of evaluations or just finding, you know, diamonds in the rough. Like when Victor Jones committed, everybody was like iffy on him. The dude's a monster. Uh, Torres, I like him. I thought we could have gotten, you know, uh, Morris, but Torres has an arm. Uh, the running back kind of wanted Justin Williams, but Hayes isn't a bad option either. Good to get in Nevada. Yeah. Uh, Hayden Schwartz was a random name that popped out of nowhere. Defensive lineman from Florida. It's always good to get Florida boys. Um, good to get two Nebraska guys in the in the group. You know, uh, Ernest Hellman and Jack. Uh, I mean Jake Applegate. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, we have no offensive lineman right now. That's still a big issue. Usually last year we already had all three of them wrapped up. Um, I'm not entirely sure we need any at the moment. We got a lot of young guys there. Yeah, I'd just say take one. Take either uh, who's it, Valen Eckerson or the, the Jake dude from Colorado. Whoever commits first, just take whoever comes. Just get one just for, you know, transfer reasons. Um, defensive back seems like kind of like a small issue, but, you know, we have a lot of you still freshmen. We just got that five uh, former five-star transfer from Ohio State who seems like a dog. He's getting a lot of praise, and, you know, a lot of young guys still have to earn spots. So, I mean – we said we said they were gonna take a small class. I think we're almost wrapped up. Two or three, four more guys, and they're done. I think they already have all their guys in the boats. So they could focus on the season. Well, we saw today that uh, that Branson Yeager, the offensive lineman, uh, he's a no show. I did you hear any? Did you hear any reason why he's a no show all of a sudden? Um, I had a, a couple people message me about that because I I said that he wasn't in. Uh, Lincoln, he was a, he was an early enrollee. He showed up, and then after two weeks, he left. I saw that on one of the the boards, so I dug deeper. Apparently, he just didn't fit in with college lifestyle, coming from Utah and his surrounding and the way he was brought up. Apparently, he wasn't used to going to parties and, uh, you know, the fun lifestyles that college athletes go and hang out with and stuff. Uh, he so he'll be at BYU here shortly, or some, you know, very. Uh, oriented place that's you know self-discipline like that. Uh, he was just apparently getting picked on for just being a college kid, for not participating in fun activities. Really, the, the extracurricular activities that college students go and do. That's what I heard from three or four people that messaged me because I asked. I mean, he he wouldn't see the field regardless. I thought his recruitment was kind of weird. Sudden, you know, commitment out of Utah, the third one in the class. I just thought his recruitment was weird. Wasn't Listen, that dude like six foot eight, three twenty? Who's gonna pick on him? <laughs> yeah, he was that. What, what but kind after of drunk is film, gonna do that? Probably this six nine, three hundred and thirty pound kid. 
You think uh, Brent Banks is going to be picking on him? <laughs> Chug this beer, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like a lovable kid. Like I like I liked him, but I just thought his recruitment was a little weird. It was just an instant commit after Patrick Payton committed, and then like three or four days later he committed, and I just didn't see him on any recruiting boards or anything. So I was like, all right, that's a random one. And so when he committed, we missed on two or three dudes that we could have got, like Gina Van Denmark out of New Jersey. We were in the running for him. But when he committed, he took his spot. Uh, Marcus Embau from uh, Wisconsin, we could have got him, but we took Jaeger. So it is, in hindsight, it looks kind of like a miss. Like when we took Ken, uh, Keyshawn Green versus taking Caden Johnson, something like that. So you happy with this class right now? This class? Oh, I'm stoked. I've actually, uh, I'll send y'all uh, the notes that I've been taking on the class and like they're like somehow... They, uh, the recruiting rankings and all that fun stuff's going up. They're actually really good from not having evaluation standpoints, and most of them really don't even go to camps. I think they're studs. Right. Really, really underrated. Who's who's the uh, who's the uh, number one guy out of this class so far to you? Me, Victor Johnson. I mean, I mean, Victor, Victor Johnson. Jones. Victor Jones. Sorry. Victor oh, Jones. Yeah, Victor Jones. Yeah. Dude's a track star. He committed. He apparently he still had his relationship when they were recruiting him when he was at UCF. Dude, that sticks in your brain. That just tells you the, like the, the, uh, how genuine our coaching staff is when they're trying to recruit these kids. Like if, that was the first thing he said out of his head. They, like he remembers them recruiting him when they were at UCF, when he was at UCF. So that was pretty cool to me. Where does Richard Torres stand in that list with you? Richard Torres, uh, dude came out of nowhere. I remember when uh, they gave him his offer and Armstrong retweeted that offer. Then he was going to have a stud. Then he went to a seven, uh, well, the Elite 11 camp, and he was competing with Gwen Ayers, the number one quarterback in the nation. He was going toe to toe with him. When I read that report, I was like, cool. I hope we get him or AJ uh, Bianco from Hawaii. And then yeah. MJ Morris came up, and I was like, all right, we got three solid targets. And then uh, Torres took the trigger first. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I kind of like that Richard Torres. I've seen some of his film and, you know, looking at after Adrian Martinez leaves, you know, with Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg and some walk-ons, you know, that's that's a position of need right now. I, I don't know if I have a warm and fuzzy headed into to, uh, 2021. If something were to happen to Adrian Martinez that he has to come out of the game for whatever reason, that uh, I have full faith right now with the two guys in the wings. Uh, but I think Richard Torres, he could add to that room. I think he's got a pretty decent arm, uh, fairly accurate. Uh, I don't know. What do you think of that backup situation at quarterback right now? Uh, my backup, my QB two is a uh, Brett Masker. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, Matt Masker, Matt Masker, <laughs> <laughs> um, Logan Smothers. Uh, I think he's actually, you know, really good. Come out of Alabama kid has time to develop. He's what is this now his third year on campus. Or second year, third year, right? Yeah, I should guy with the extra year. I think he's What's still he? rated as a freshman. Yeah, that was 2019. So yeah, that's yeah. gonna be his third year. Um, dude has wheels. I just thought he when he uh, did the spring game, this was his first live action. I think he was kind of nervous, and I'm pretty sure he might have all the rust shaken off. I think he's gonna be really good. Um, AJ Martinez, if he gets nicked up, hopefully he doesn't. I hope he's completely healthy throughout the whole season, like not even a bruise. I hope if he does come in, he's just a stud. Like, it's just some, like, wonder miracle Joe Burrow situation. Dude just pops off for no reason. Or at so least keeps us competitive. 
Okay. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of of the nature. Well, I mean, I, I'm of the opinion, I should say, that I like Harburg over Smothers at this point from what we've seen out of the spring game. You like his arm better or his speed better? Oh, like I like overall. his arm better. Arm better? I, 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 geez, I, I really think that we just need to get rid, get away from playing the athletic running uh, quarterback. You know, we've already had a uh, McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey. We saw how that went. I, I wasn't overly impressed with Logan Smothers' arm at this point. I know he can run the ball. He's pretty dynamic running the ball. But that's not going to win you a lot of football games in the long run to me. Yeah. You know, Justin, he did not like the 90s. He was like, what is this running quarterback thing Nebraska keeps <laughs> doing? Like, why do they keep running Tommy Frazier? Give, give me a Dan Warfel. That's the guy I want. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't impressed with what they did in the 90s. I mean, I know that people like make that a big deal or not. Yeah, it doesn't impress me. But no, I mean, I think I think in today's game, especially with uh, the conference that we're playing in, that running quarterback, you're not going to do that against defenses a lot. Yeah, you're right. Justin Fields, you know what? I mean, I'm glad he was a statue. Like, I mean, he, I mean, hey, so he had an arm, he had an arm though. I mean, he could, he complimented it with an arm. I mean, are you going to say he's a shitty thrower? Cause he wasn't. No, yeah, but I'm just saying had, like, you're, he also you're, had giant receivers who would just run hail Marys the whole time. He just chuck it 70 yards. But what I'm saying is if your primary weapon uh, as a quarterback is your legs and not your arm, I think you have to, they have to at least be equal. I don't think you're going to win a lot of games in the Big Ten if you're just a running quarterback and don't have a threat of, a, of, of an arm. So you like pro-style quarterbacks. You don't like, you don't like dual threats. No, I mean, dual threats no. are fine if you can but, throw the ball. I, I wasn't impressed yet with uh, the arm of Logan Smothers. It, it, it just, I don't think I that's going to be a long-term solution. I just thought that was nerves. He was trying so. to like he was trying to put himself up because Luke McCaffrey's gone, and he's like now he's like I know I'm the QB two. Harburg obviously is learning the system, but Logan's brothers knows that like if his number gets called, he's up. Like it's no like oh putting Harburg. No, he's. I think he's gonna do well. Derek, I want to get you, you here in here on this quarterback conversation. Who do you like? I like Harburg better, but. I, I, he's got a better arm. I think he's more accurate. He's not near as fast as Smothers, but he's not a statue either. I mean, he, he can run it a little bit. He had some impressive passes in the spring game. He really did. That touchdown that ended up winning the game for for us or for the Whites was, was impressive. It was a good throw. I have a question about Harburg, though. I, like, I fully stoked they got a scholarship quarterback from Nebraska and everything, but did you think that Nebraska settled? Like they missed on their one, two, three, four, and fifth guy to get Harburg. Uh, the the guy that went to uh, North Dakota State, I, his name escapes me right now. Payton. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but they didn't offer him, right? Nope. They didn't. I mean, he was probably and the I'm, best quarterback in Nebraska. And I'm not mad at Harburg at all. Like I'm glad we got somebody. But like after watching his recruitment and everything, I felt like we just was like, wow, this is the best choice we have now. So is yeah. it the question that people don't want to come here to be quarterbacks or are we just not getting the right guys at the right time? God, I hate that question. I really hate that question because yeah, I'm afraid know. of the answer more than anything. 
I, I think that, Torres, that's like a third, fourth, or fifth guy on the board too. Think about it. Well, I yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know if I want to read too much into Harbo. I think like there's something to be said about um, you know he he was an in-state guy. I like Harbo, you know Harburg. Uh, I think you look at Logan Smothers when even his recruitment, while he ended up being a really good recruit, he wasn't when Nebraska got in on him. Like he, he, I mean, he really evolved his senior season to become that four-star guy. Uh, but I, I want to, I want to rewind it just a second. Cause you, you're talking about the class and um, you know, it doesn't need a lot. And, and that, that is definitely the narrative. And I think that's fair, but I do think we need more offensive linemen. And, and, you know, I, and maybe this is just trying to hoard it, but like, I get that we're young in some positions, but we've seen some attrition there. We're, we're I think, and especially at that guard position, like you look down the road a couple years. I mean, there there is a little bit of a grayness of what's going to come next because if Citroen starts, he's a senior, and yes, he could come back. I think I think he could come back another year. I don't know if he can or can't. But after that, that guard, I think we all brought band Brock Bando his last year's this year. Everyone presumes again sometimes the eligibility. I really really hope Nebraska could pull in Deshaun Woods. Like I know he's in at Missouri right now. Like he is a guy that I'm really, really hoping like Nebraska, Nebraska, like Frost needs to be calling him. They need to be buddies. Like we need to bring in a couple more linemen. Tanner, these are the, these are some names of the guys that are listed as freshmen or redshirt freshmen right now that are uh, on the offensive line. Bryce Benhart, Brant Banks, Ethan Piper, uh, Jimmy Fritzke, Michael Lynn, Turner Corcoran, Alex Kahn, Teddy Prochaska, and Henry Lebrowski. Okay. All but two of those guys are natural tackles. All but two of those guys are natural tackles. Can I say something? Yes. Go for it. Jamie, Jamie Fritchie is from Greenville High School here in South Carolina. I was so stoked when he committed. But okay, continue. I'm sorry. Okay. But <laughs> thanks. Everyone's talking about him coming in. The I know him. Time. I know him. I'm sorry. I know him. Nice. Hey, hey go, I, I, go Jimmy. But like everyone's talking about Banks coming in the guard. And that's out of necessity more than I think it's actually a good fit. Like I've heard Lynn maybe going in the guard. Like I, I get, I think they're trying to fit guys. I'm not saying you go out there and you need to bring in a bunch of tackles, another center. Like I would love to see Nebraska bring in a couple interior linemen, this class, namely another guard in a center. Uh, they offered the, what was the guy? Joe Pastor from uh, Virginia. Okay. Uh, who was his name? Uh, Fidelius Payne knows him. He actually uh, hosted him on an official visit. But we actually it, offered a, We actually offered a true center. I, again, I think Justin. I mean, I think that the, again. You one, you don't lose your number one guy in state. Especially, you just never want to lose him. I think you need another guard. Like maybe not in 2022, but I think grabbing another guard is not a bad thing. I just think we could do a couple more. And I also wouldn't like mine seen as going a little bit more dynamic. Um, there's that four-star wide receiver athlete that was out of Michigan that was on a, I don't know if you call it an official that we just recently here. I can't think of his name, but I, I wouldn't Jayden mind seeing him. Yes. Jaden yeah. Macdam. Yeah. He's going to West Virginia. He's going to West Virginia? Mm-hmm. Well, let's hope he's, you're wrong. Let's, let's, let's not be an naysayer here. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I would, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing us get a couple more dynamic guys. I know we we've got some good wide receivers, but I think that's the two positions I really want to see us fill out. So right now, 
looking at recruiting 247 has us ranked at 61 in the nation 14th in the big 10 rivals has us at 63 in the nation 13th in the big 10 is it alarming i don't know it, wow. it's a lot early it's it's still early but as i look at the roster and all the young guys on there i don't know uh as 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 shitty as it is with our with our rankings right now but looking at the roster i don't know if there's any immediate positions of need that we need right now so if there's any year to have like a you know i'll call it a blow-off class this probably could be it no it definitely is it definitely is and you're definitely seeing the effects of the pandemic season like not being able to get anybody on campus for a year and i and i understand that hurt every college i get it but the thing is like that's nebraska's biggest selling point is getting them to lincoln because there's so many people out there still thinking we're playing in the middle of a cornfield and so you need to get them to lincoln so you could change that narrative and i i you're you're seeing it i i think that's why the schedule got changed i think that's why they fought so hard to get the schedule changed so we get a couple more official visits during that during the season because we only have one home game through september yeah all right, Thomas, one more question, then we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, what would you? What are your expectations for this year, and what would you define as a success? What would I define as a, a success? Um, Seven-win season, win a bowl game. That's success to me. That's a good stepping stone. Okay. Seven-plus wins and beat Iowa and win a bowl game. Those are my success this year. All right. Nice. That's all I want. That's all I want. Nothing too too big, nothing too bad. If you get the seven wins, it's over. You, no one could say, like, we broke the streak. It's over. Scott well, Brock's first winning season at Nebraska, and everybody that, can shut up. That is certainly achievable this year, so we will all be watching. Hey, man, I, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Hey, let everybody know how they can follow you on Twitter if they're not following you already. Okay. Uh I'm making a shout out on the Husker podcast right here. Uh, Carolina Husker. Uh, the at is Husker Tom 1997. The last time we won our national championship against Michigan. They suck. Um, <laughs> when we win one, I'm going to change my Twitter handle, though, so the, to the time that we win our next national championship. Just know that. But right. uh, that is my Twitter handle. I appreciate you gentlemen for letting me be on this podcast. It was so fun. I had a great time. Awesome. Well, thank you. Hey, we'll be in touch. Uh, Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter, at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate, review, and share. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Touchdown! Frost scores another touchdown! His third.